This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, however it applies for what will be a Saturday edition of Locked On Browns. Uh, I had the episode recorded with Patricia Trainer last night from uh, who does our Locked On Giants show. Uh, Patricia is a uh, beat writer in the area obviously she, you know for where i am obviously covers the giants um it was just something you know two of us thought we get you know she asked me to come on and for her to talk a little bit about the fact that freddie might you know be joining the brian the uh giant staff so i was like wait a minute there's a lot of storylines here so we decided to do that for you hope you guys enjoyed it um obviously it's a lot still to be determined in the trades between the browns and the giants and all that activity last year i mean you can't say anybody won because one team's drafted fourth the other team's drafted 10th so, but, uh, you know, it was good talk with Patricia. She uh, does a fantastic job covering the team. Uh, back in the saddle in Ohio, from uh, back from Mobile, Alabama, uh, SI.com's Browns Maven, Pete Smith, your host here, Jeff Lloyd, local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Brown-wise, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, and it's a shame because I'm actually now saying his name correctly, and that should have been your sign. And it's look as the way it works is you either become something and until you do, we'll pronounce your name incorrectly. Todd Kitchens. That was a great memory back in the day. Uh, but George Payton has ultimately decided to stay in his position with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, obviously, it's running rampant and wild, you know, just like any news on five o'clock on a Friday. Some of you people are at the absolute end of your ropes. Folks, it's like 730. I'm sorry. It's almost eight o'clock on a Friday night. You worked all week. Have a cocktail. Just chill. Relax. Pete, there could be a numerous, numerous reasons why he pulled his name out of the running. Could be the fact that maybe he was never the number one target. Maybe it could be the fact that maybe he wasn't going to get offered the jig. Just a couple of them. But go ahead. Uh, so it's impossible to know exactly what did or didn't happen um, in this situation. My inclination is to is to believe that, um, you know, his, his history has been very much a big fan of the Vikings. And if, um, you know, it, it, it was sort of notable that he got the interview, that the Browns got the interview in the first place, and it was notable that they got the second interview. Um, so it may have come down to the fact that he just simply – you know, gave this an honest look and decided, hey, I like what's going on with Minnesota. I'm just going to, you know, stay, stay here. Um, you know, he didn't, he doesn't, this is one of the few, uh, very few times where he has even entertained the notion of leaving. So, um, you know, there are people largely locally who are very upset at this uh, and are deeming this a massive failure uh, when it, could have just been, you know, somebody taking a taking a, a look to see if this is something they wanted to do and decided um, they were happy where they were at it, or it wasn't, you know, enough reason for them to leave or whatever. Um, I suppose it's possible that, you know, the, the, the Browns are just, you know, a dumpster fire and, and that's the reason this didn't happen. But it seems more likely, and at least the national people are, are reporting it like this, that it's uh, a case of just wasn't a great fit. The, to him or, or not enough of a fit so he stayed where he was which he's happy happily doing uh and 
and the Browns didn't, you know, make an all-in push for a guy who didn't actually want to work here. So seems fine to me, but uh, you know, if he, I, I, there are a lot of people who love this guy. I, I, I know literally nothing about him. I know, I mean, I know his work history in Minnesota. He's been there a really long time, and all these things. But the, uh, you know, much like the head coaching thing, I, I, I get what other people write. Um, but for some reason, uh, he was the greatest candidate ever for some, and that's sort of where we've ended up with this whole thing. Uh, so I, I, we move on to the other two qualified candidates and figure out which one they want to hire. Uh, well, I mean, there's uh, multiple things. Everybody freaking out about this. Um, you know, well, Andrew Berry hasn't had a second interview. Does a guy who's already been employed by this franchise for three years need to come back for a second interview? And it's not like he's coming back and sitting down and talking with faces he's not familiar with. Um, Kevin Stefanski's already had interviews with the Cleveland Browns. I'm sure somehow, in some way, him and Andrew Barry crossed paths during those interviews. So you don't really need to bring Andrew in for a second time. Um, Mike Krupka's podcast, uh, he had Arif Hassan on. Arif covers the Vikings for uh, the Athletic Minnesota. Does a fantastic job. Great dude. Highly, highly intelligent. Um, when he was on with them, because they spoke on George Payton, Arif said that George is a huge family guy and, you know, not, it, not everybody needs to have their ego stroked by having that big gig. If his, he and his family, which it sounds like are extremely happy where they are, probably doesn't, you know. The, the, you know, uprooting his family. Look, could part of it be is this franchise in Cleveland, if they're not satisfied, shit changes quickly? Maybe that could be something of, hey, I don't want to have to sit down after I've uprooted my entire family in 18 months and say, okay, well, where do we go from here? If you want to say that, sure, because that is something in the history of this. And somebody actually just sent this over to me in, you know, this is actually really a uh, good point here. Um, good Lord, let me find it real quick here. Um, this is from uh, M. Shives. Um, some people on here can't figure out the difference between expecting them to screw up and wanting them to screw up. They aren't the same thing. And I, I think that is a huge thing with the Browns. Look, Jimmy Haslam, I guess it was the Thursday after the season ended, literally sat down and said, we're going to take a long approach here. We're going to try to talk to everybody. We want to do extensive interviews. We want to make sure we're lining up the best alignment here where everybody's on the same page. Look, they went through eight head coaching interviews. And the guy who interviewed last, who looked like he was the blind favorite going into it, wasn't the one who got the job. Uh, you know, Maybe and why, you know, why were they so much on Peyton? Maybe they wanted to see a different approach. You know, if it turns out to be Andrew Barry and, you know, you were sure of that essentially from the time he started this search, then you want to go the other way and you want to, you know, basically pick up stones and look what's underneath. You want to make sure that you did not do this just because you had a familiarity with him. You know that he and Paul DePodesta would work well together. You wanted to do it because, you know what, at the end of the day, after speaking with everybody, it looked like the best alignment for hopefully some everybody on the same page and let's try this approach because it hasn't always been the case. So let's try everybody on the same page and let's see what we can do there. But, you know, 
and everybody just wants to crap on it. Who's to say, you know, obviously if he left and went back home and it apparently was not really to offered the job. So by him leaving after a second interview and coming back a day and a half or so later and, and removing his name from it, maybe he expected the offer by then, or maybe his feeling was, is, you know, it seems like they really want Andrew Barry. I think I interviewed well. There's a million scenarios, but guess this isn't, you know, this isn't the stuff you can get all bent out of shape about. We, you have no idea whether or not he was truly the guy. Um, you know, we felt the same way about Josh McDaniels. Guess what? He wasn't the guy. Kevin Stefanski was. Well, uh, I think so much of this is much like it was with Josh McDaniels. It's just coming up with your own expectations that aren't necessarily those of the organization. Um, like so much of this is about uh, the idea that, you know, people had built this thing up where it was, if they don't get McDaniels, it's a failure. And likewise, we are in a situation where if they don't get, uh, if, if they put themselves in the situation where if they don't get George Patton or Peyton, uh, that, that this was a failure. When that's never really been the case, but uh, there was always an honest conversation, um, you know, with all these candidates. And uh, I, I think part of this, the other part of this that, that I think has put some people um, you know, off the idea of, of Barry and onto the idea of Peyton is, is this, this idea that it's somehow like Sashi Brown striking, striking back at the, at the oppressive, uh, Paul D. Podesta and, you know, getting him, you know, one, 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 one for the home team. And this idea that, you know, they, that they don't want, Paul D. Podesta pulling all the strings, and this 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 means he's, you know, he he's this powerful uh, person in the organization. When there all indications are that uh, that uh, you know that, that Stefanski liked Andrew Barry, uh, was more than ready to sort of work with him before. Um, there's never been a suggestion that that. Uh, that it, it just wasn't going to, you know, that, that they didn't like each other or anything like that. So, it, you know, Stefanski may have liked Peyton theoretically more, or he just sort of wanted to see if there was a fit with everybody else. It, it's impossible to know what what is true on this, at least not right now. We may get a little bit more of a look at it as, as we go, but I, 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 I think it's just <clears> – <throat> Between the record when when Barry was sort of working through, you know, as part of the organization, even though he was there for the first year with Dorsey and company and integral in a lot of things they did, um, there's this feeling like, well, he, he, you know, he was part of this, so he must be awful or whatever. But there's just a lot of these preconceived notions when the reality is Andrew Barry is one of the, the fastest rising stars uh, among front office people in the league. And there's a possibility that he's not there yet uh, if the Browns hire him and he, he may have to continue to grow and develop. But, and, and so much of this, you know, would depend on how Haslam can sort of deal with, try, you know, the, the, the reality of having to be patient and all that. But perhaps because they like Barry so much, they may be more willing to 
you know, go with that a little bit longer. But if he does grow into it, he's going to be one hell of an executive for a very, very long time, hopefully all with this team. Uh, look, I mean, and, that's, and the other one, they talk about Andrew Berry like he's 60 years old. The guy's 32 years old, uber intelligent. You, you know, you, you don't get into Harvard for funsies. Played football at Harvard. Um, you know, it, it, does he maybe need work at talent evaluation? It's certainly possible. We don't truly know the answer. Um, and, it, you know, every time somebody wants to say something negative about Andrew Barry, they say, Corey Coleman. Like, like, okay, so, you know, every front office guy in the NFL loses their job, can't work, or they suck because of, you know, one bad selection. And then I still have people out here screaming for John Dorsey where he basically bungholed two drafts for you guys. So – Look, it's not, you know, a lot of you are, are like the media. You are not ready for anything to be better. I don't know if you want anything to be better. Look, and the other thing is, it's goddamn January 24th. All right. Whoever becomes in charge, let's judge it on what free agency looks like. Let's judge it on what the draft looks like. Let's judge it on camp and games. And nobody's winning crap right now. Just let it go. We'll get to a little bit more here on Locked On Browns. Pete Smith, Jeff Lloyd, taking you through. Guys and gals, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you or he were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue. Like the color blue. B-L-U-E. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever any opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, most guys talk a good game. But if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help you follow through and maybe get to that oh-so-rare doubleheader. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in the discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits. The time's going to take you to do that. No waiting at the pharmacy. The time's going to take you to do that. And best of all, no more awkwardness. There shouldn't be. This stuff wouldn't exist if people weren't going through it. They're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they are cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com. <clears throat> and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code MLB. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for their sponsorship over here at Locked on Browns. Pete, you know, you figure it's a Friday and, you know, with Senior Bowl and all you guys pulling on out of there because it's a special teams day with the game tomorrow, that's going to be quiet. It's going to be lame. We had an afternoon story, obviously, in George Payton removing his name from consideration to be the next general manager of the Cleveland Browns. And then there is the Kareem Hunt news. Um, Tuesday, Kareem Hunt was pulled over for speeding, apparently in his mom's car, whatever. Um, and with that, there were some trace elements of marijuana within the car. Look, I, this is simple as far as everything, guys. 
he's going to get a test. If he doesn't pass his weed test, it's not going to be a good situation for Kareem Hunt. Um, for however it all broke down, my only thing is, look, Kareem obviously is an extremely talented player. He's already had a huge, huge taint on his NFL career. Things like this, it's just use better judgment. Do I, is there, you know, do I certainly believe it's plausible that, you know, whatever the elements of marijuana they found in the car belonged to his brother? But here's the thing. If you know your brother, wheat, you smokes, whatever. And I don't care. Everyone in this country should be entitled to smoke marijuana if they want to. That is truly what I feel. But until the NFL says we don't give a crap, that's when it becomes a problem. You can't do it if you're an employee of the NFL. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't care. For the NFL, they say no. So until that changes, this is the way it is. And you got to deal with it. Kareem Hunt, just put yourself in better situations. Uh, you know, I mean, you're to the point now where Kareem Hunt could still find a way to get $25, 30000000 million out of this league in his pocket, in his bank account, in his life. Just make better decisions. I want to see everybody get the bag. I want to see them all get paid. Just make better decisions. Well, yeah, I mean, this is one of those, don't put yourself in, in, in the situation to, you know, be in trouble. Um, and this is one of those things where uh, it could theoretically be a big deal if they, you know, if the NFL says, okay, you're taking a drug test. Uh, and it comes back positive uh, or whatever, you know, obviously that's bad. Uh, you know, the NFL might take a look. And if it comes back positive, the, the same police department can say, all right, so now we can cite you up because apparently it was yours. And we don't have to have evidence, but because you tested positive, there's enough evidence for us to get this to make this happen. Uh, that I doubt is the case because they can't then prove it was as a result of that. You know I mean? Is it like, and, and Ohio's getting more lenient on this. Good uh, and good for the state of Ohio because it should be that way in all uh, fifty so, states. So, so it, I would not say, oh, if he comes back with a positive test, that the the the, the Rocky River Police are going to come back and, and get him again. You can't prove that he was high at that point or anything else. So, I wouldn't go that far. What I would say is that obviously, if, if it comes back positive, um, you know that puts his situation with the Cleveland Browns. In a far bigger question mark. Um, you know, for the sake of the person, you're sitting there hoping that he, what he's saying is true. Um, you know, it doesn't sound great. Um, it doesn't lend itself to automatically going, oh, of course. I mean, there's no reason to ever question him. But, um, you know, it's it's much like the whole thing where Kareem Hunt had the police pull up to the bar or whatever, and nothing actually happened. It's another one of those where, you know, and ultimately that was a nothing deal, but you don't like to have, you know, if you're Kareem Hunt, if you're the Cleveland Browns, you don't like this coming up. Um, and that's hopefully where this goes, but it's also takes you back to, um, you know, reminding you of what Dorsey sort of brought here these guys with these question marks that make you have to do these things. Now, this doesn't mean um, that, that this new uh, new front office and new head coaching staff won't have a player that gets themselves in trouble. Obviously, you have a situation like the Patriots where uh, Juwan Williams just got arrested 
uh, for possession in Tennessee. So, you know, that's something that can happen. But when it keeps happening to the same players that all came from one source, then it's sort of like that thing. So, I mean, you know, you're, 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 for the sake of the kid, you're hoping he's true to his word. It wasn't his. This is just a weird situation and one to look from quickly uh, because you are on such thin ice. Um, then, you know, then you move on from there. If, if it, I would, I, my, my, my stance on this is I'm waiting until something comes up definitive. And if it does, then we'll, we'll deal with it. And you're probably right with that respect. And the, the only thing you're waiting on here is if something comes from the league that says Kareem Hunt failed or tested positive for marijuana and then you're aggravated. But I mean, you just, and this is one of the things that everybody, Oh, well, he's coming home. And, and when Pete and I tried to say, well, maybe sometimes going home isn't the best thing for somebody, um, you know, and I'll go back to Dalvin cook when he was coming out of Florida state. A lot of people thought he was a first round talent. The problem was, is Dalvin Cook grew up in a bad area with some bad people. And, you know, a lot of people, and I talked to people, and I talked to draft people, and it was, if you can get Dalvin Cook as far the hell away from where he's living, you ain't got to worry about him. I don't see any reason you're going to have to worry about him. Since Dalvin Cook now just finished up his third season with the Minnesota Vikings, you haven't heard these things. You know, and it's tough sometimes to judge the kid. You know, is he is he truly like his friends and his crew that he hangs out with, or is he truly different? Does he truly appreciate and understand the opportunity and that his life may be different than others? And this is where Kareem coming home may not have been the best thing because here it's it, it's not just a buddy or it's a friend. It, it, it's his brother, it, you know, and the stupidity of it. And, you know, and if that's truly the case, which I do want to believe, I do. I, I, I mean, I don't want to bury Kareem here. Uh, you know, seeing him on the field last year, seeing a lot of the unselfishness where he was a guy who had a ton, ton of success as a player in Kansas City and came here. And I don't want to say it was an afterthought, but, you know, for a guy of his talent and the numbers he put up in Kansas City, for him to be fourth option in an offense, it obviously had to be a lot for him to take on and did the dirty stuff, did it willingly, was, you know, truly, you know, unselfish about it where you know i mean times were blocking and things of that nature i i hope for him this doesn't turn out this way because it really seems like it really seems like he's trying to get his act back together but just you know just got to make better decisions and you know it's your brother's not the name you're the name and you know it's if it goes wrong for you it's gonna go really wrong nobody cares i mean with a girl nobody cared about you know 18 year old girl who was drunk and made an ass out of herself He's always the one with everything to lose. He's got the greatest risk. And I, I, I pray this all works out for him. I really do. And I got to think in somewhat respect, I mean, you know, cops are cops. At the end of the day, you, you know, your job usually is slapping some bracelets on people and getting fines and getting money into your town. If they, this cop truly believed them, I think it's got to hold some credence to it. Uh, Pete, I didn't think we have this much to talk about as far as, you know, off the stuff and it's senior all week for Christ's sakes. <laughs> Pardon? I said I didn't think we'd have this much to talk about on a Friday when we're about to play the senior bowl tomorrow. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, there's still senior bowl stuff. There's, I mean, but yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the Bronx have hired a bunch of coaches. There's other things, and, and and there's the fact that I kicked your ass in the playoffs again. I mean, there's lots of stuff. To, That's not to over get. yet. 
Um, this is, could end up as a tie. Lead and there's one game left. Yes, and you're going to go first. So I have every opportunity to tie this puppy up. If I just had the I balls have a to take game the Titans lead. There's one game. You, you don't have a two-game lead. You have a one-game lead. I have a two-game lead. I got you twice. How do you figure? Who did you pick last week? All right. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. <sighs> Taking all the favorites. Pete doesn't. Pete's got no excitement to him. We got some time for listener questions here, and we always appreciate them. Uh, you know, one more qu- quick break. We got to sneak in here, though. Uh, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, rolling you through on Lock Nine Browns. If you're not subscribed yet or you're not listening, every Wednesday morning, uh, Meredith, Bree, and Brittany, that's what B said. The girls do a fantastic job. It's totally them as far as their personalities and able to pour it out within the show. Um, they work hard. And because it's only one week, they're able to jam pack and put together the top storylines of the week. They have a blast with it. It's not just Browns. It's obviously all Cleveland sports. Go ahead, check it out. The girls are doing a fantastic job. Uh, it should be doing a million times better than it currently is. It's doing well, but it should be even doing better. The girls do a fantastic job. It's funny. It's informative. Every now and then you get a little sass when you're not getting buzzed with solid takes. The girls are doing a fantastic job. If you're not checking it out, make sure you are. That's what B said. All right. We're going to go to listener questions. And the first one here is on the tight end position. So let's get to that. Okay. Um, Pete, this is relative to senior bowl tight ends. And let me just make sure I got the question right. Um, from Brown's therapy, uh, you guys don't know him, the gifts and, uh, you know, probably the, uh, third or fourth member of, you know, Cleveland Browns daily. Uh, but he does a great job and, you know, I've actually gotten to know him a little bit more. I talked to him a lot more through direct messages. Really, really, really good guy. Funny guy. Um, Pete tight end options that down there at the senior bowl, that would maybe be fits here in Cleveland. Hello? Are you there, Pete? Sorry, what would you ask me? Tight end options from the Senior Bowl that you think would fit with Cleveland and what hopefully what's going to be this two tight end, the three tight end, and get ready for tight ends, guys. Uh, the guy that jumps out at me right now is Adam Troutman from Dayton. I wrote a little thing about him. He's one of the small school guys I think could be successful for the Browns. Um, he's got the size to be an inline guy. He takes pride in being an inline guy. He was, he was dominant in this, in a similar fashion as, as, uh, as, uh, Adam Shaheen was at Ashland. Um, and you know, he, he's probably going to go in that, you know, round three area, uh, him and Jared Pinkney both were at the senior bowl. I think Troutman may have a better argument than Pinkney does purely because I think he will test a little bit better. But if you're talking about getting somebody who will uh, who will block, give you another inline guy, and, and, and probably offers you a little bit more um, in terms of reliability as a passing option, you know, basically trying to get that Darren Fells type back, although obviously he's much shorter. Um, you know, if you if you like 
uh, the guys you had and you just want to add to it or, you, you know, you're not sure and you want to replace. But Troutman uh, is a guy that sort of checks all those boxes of sort of that useful, that useful number two, number three tight end that can come in and do various things. Um, in the same boat, I, I think Jared Pinkney, um, I, I think speed is going to be an issue for him. I don't think he's going to test particularly well in that area. He's, he's definitely um, a, a good blocker, um, and he can do do some interesting things. I, I wouldn't rule out the possibility you could put him in the backfield as a lead uh, blocker, uh, but uh, he might not be as, as much of a threat uh, in the passing game. It's not to say he can't do it. It's just that he's not all that elusive. He's sort of that, you know, that fourth, fifth guy that defenses sort of lose because they're worried about everybody else who catches a few passes. Uh, and, and uh, you know, he's, he's, an ex, he's an excellent blocker. And if you watch him on Vanderbilt and you're sitting there going, well, this guy had a ton of junior year production. I want to see him catch the ball. And you throw on his tape from this year, you're just going to be watching him block from all different angles and, and kicking ass. So uh, those are two guys that jump out at me from that standpoint. Um, you know I, know, I know guys like Harrison Bryant. I don't see it with him as far as being that physical guy. Um, I, I heard multiple people suggest that they thought he was soft. Uh, and so he's going to – some of those questions to deal with. And a lot of the other guys were just short. Um, you know, Bryce, Bryson, uh, whatever the kid's last name is, from uh, Purdue, too short and not physical. He's, he's a, more of a space guy. He can get, he can get out, out and catch passes quickly, but he's just not offering much as a blocker. So right now – if you're just looking at it from the, the senior bowl stuff, um, Troutman and Pinkney are the two guys that would jump out at me, and they seem like they're going to be in that round three, maybe round four area. Though, so, you know, if a guy like Troutman tests really well, maybe he goes up a little higher into that Shaheen range, but that seems about right. So if the Browns are looking for – if, you know, they, they want to really put a stamp on this tight end group under Stefanski uh, and have four guys active every week, then one of those third-round picks could be utilized at that spot. Uh, the other option is there's a couple of free agents that might make sense, um, but those are the guys that jumped out at me at the Senior Bowl anyway. Uh, yeah, and I agree with you there. And it, it's and the thing is, look, last year was the class to do this. It's it's not so much there this year. And I agree with you where it might be more of a let's just find the dog blocker this year, the guy that we can trust as a blocker. Um, we've got enough of these move guys, H back types. There's a stinking million of them here um, for that role. And this is good for any one of them, whether it's Carlson, Najoku, or, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones, Harris, see you on later. You know, uh, you know, maybe they'll look at Farrell Brown and, you know, see if that could be a possibility. It's – as much as it's an important position to what Stefanski likes to do, the question is whether or not they're going to totally be able to address it within the first year. It's going to be tough, and we'll see. I mean, I'm not saying they're not going to try to, and they're not going to throw, obviously, a lot of effort at it. But, you know, maybe last year would have been the year to do it, and you could have just kept that guy from Houston. But we'll talk about that for another day. We'll just talk about that today. <laughs> and uh, ironically enough, from Josh Payton. How do Wolf and Highsmith fit in with the next GM, especially if it's Barry? Pete, I'm assuming that this is where, you know, you know, Highsmith 
it's a difficult one. And, you know, hopefully you keep his hands out of bringing in all these Miami players. Look, if Miami was 12 and one every year, I'd say, yeah, go get three, four hurricanes. Um, but this would be, you know, guys who have experience, you know, obviously, you know, Wolf, who's been around it since, you know, basically the day he came out the womb, this would be where you're, you know, these are you guys who are helping lead your scouts and putting together your talent board before the analytics side go in and put their touch on it. Um, it doesn't seem like Elliot Wolf's going to have an I- issue. Um, again, you know, when, when we talked about this whole thing, um, I always felt like Elliot Wolf was more of his own man than the other two. Um, Alonzo Highsmith's the one that's sort of been viewed as, as, as Dorsey's guy, really, and that he might leave and he still may um, go in, in, in some form or fashion. Now, if they, you know, if Alonzo Highsmith can somehow get that freshman out of Miami that, you know, with is like six six and two sixty and had like an ECC leading sack number. Um, <laughs> we can talk, but um, for the most part, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with that, and, and and I don't know. I mean, Alonzo Highsmith is good, good at his job in terms of player, uh, you know, the relationships in that aspect, and maybe there's a good argument to say that. He makes, you know, he provides a good counterpoint to what other guys are doing. But again, if they're if they're trying to stress alignment, then that may be more difficult to do. I, so I don't know enough about um, what he believes in as far as that, other than guys who play at Coral Gables, seemingly, or at least he doesn't throw himself in the way of them. Um, so of the two, I think Wolf seems far more likely to be fine with what's going on than than Highsmith, but. To this point, Highsmith's still here, and it's uh, you know almost the end of January, so I don't know, you know what what's going to go on with that. He already closed the door on the Miami thing, so um, you know we'll we'll see if it's like uh, you know if he if he's gone here in the next month, or or if he'll wait till after the draft and then go, or if they just happen to want to keep him. Well, he closed the door on the Miami thing. From what I've heard, is Miami closed the door on the Miami thing. So there is that way. Um, why are we all in on Peyton and Barry's taking a back seat? Are your options driven by the amount of content we've heard about Peyton recently and quiet pieces on Barry in contrast? Well, this gets back to what we talked about earlier. I mean, bringing back Andrew Barry is not difficult for this franchise. They know exactly who he is. They were obviously already enamored enough where they went to pursue a guy who was already went to an organization. And this is one of the things that frustrates me with you guys about this, you know, and there's this certain of, you know, and yes, I mean, the, he has Sashi Brown cooties, whatever. It's stupid. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles who have a fantastic front office and every year, everybody looks at him and goes, Oh my God, the Eagles going to suck. They're in cap hell. And then next thing you know, they tinker away, tinker away, tinker away, tinker away. They put out a team that finds their way to the playoffs. They find their way to manage the cap. And here was a franchise who's had a ton of success over the last five or six years that said, well, we'll bring in Andrew Barry. Yeah, that's a great mind to bring in. Um, So if a team that, you know, nobody's laughing at right now, the way things are run at all, thought Andrew Barry was a nice asset. 
shouldn't that tell you something regardless of whatever your bias is because he was part of Sashi Brown's crew here? Uh, so, again, this comes down to uh, what is sort of being pushed. Um, what's being pushed, and it's not wrongly, Peyton does have 14 years with Minnesota. He's been um, Rick Spielman's, you know, guy for so many years, and you see success. And, and I think they both were there for, right? Kevin Stefanski was there for 14 years. So, obviously, they're extremely tight. So, Kevin said, well, you know, let's see where it's at here. I mean, it makes so much sense, like, because Kevin seems like the guy that, is trying to at least, you know, help guys that have been good to him in the past. Right. Um, so, you know, part of it is when, when that happens and you're there that long, you start to put all of the good things that Minnesota's doing and giving him credit for them. And he may deserve credit for a lot of those things. Um, at the same time, you, you know, you don't know exactly what's going on. And that's sort of the difference with Andrew Barry. And the position you and I have is that we know what Andrew Barry did, um, and, and a lot of people mm-hmm. don't. Um, I mean, there are people who are still of the notion that Sashi Brown was evaluating guys and and you know out there scouting, which <laughs> which was never the case. Um, and there are people who carry over the one in thirty one and visited on Andrew Barry and assume that you know that this was all some big mess when when some of this was just just a massive failure due to compromising with a fool um, that forced them into some bad situations. And that's not to say they didn't make their share of mistakes. They also made a lot of really good moves. And I think people forget some of the smaller things they did that were really important. Um, you know, they, they, they were st- simply better at than a guy like Dorsey. And, you know, like a lot of people give Dorsey a ton of credit for trades and, and on some of them, he was great. But like when it came to squeezing value out of things, these guys were unbelievable. Again, you got a fourth-round pick for a punter. You got a sixth-round pick for Justin Gilbert. I mean, you know, these are assets. These are things you can, you know, turn into, you know, turn into things. And that fourth-round pick you got for the punter turned into was the pick that was traded to get Jarvis Landry. Um, so, I, I just think you know, the the bottom of the roster, the way they were able to churn guys in and, and find guys who could contribute. Um, I thought it was great. I thought they, they made some great signings that have obviously benefited. J.C. Treader, for one. Kevin Zeitler was very good, and obviously they used him to get Olivier Vernon. Um, they've done a lot of things that are really, really smart. And I think um, I think if you hire a guy like Andrew Barry with the fancy in these people, and you're now not having to compromise with an idiot, in addition to getting a little more experience, I think it, it just allows for a lot more intelligent things to happen and continue those good things. And, and because he's so young at 32 years old, I think he's only going to grow into this thing. Well, and for me, it's also, though, the intelligence also leads to thinking outside the box. And it was, hey, we have a boatload of cap space. We ain't getting free agents here because we stink right now. And you essentially buy a second round pick in Brock Osweiler, who's turned out to be your most effective offensive player this year in Nick Chubb. You know, intelligence leads to forward thinking, which led to a move like that, which led to a player like Nick Chubb, who is down at the Pro Bowl and looks like he's just treating it like it's game week. He's already got his growl on it. He's ready to run people over on Sunday. I got news for you. Any D-back on the other side, um, you better be ready because it's kind of hard for Nick to do this and kind of do anything football half-ass. Pete, we're getting short on time here, but this is one we had last night. We never got to sit down. Pete, you got any pound on the table, guys, yet? 
Um, no, because we don't have we're not that far into it. Uh, Combine get, will lead to that, of course. Yeah, we we got to get data on that stuff. I mean, there are guys I really like. There are guys I think will be very good players. But uh, you know, again, it comes down to proof. And uh, there are guys that I'm really excited about. There are guys that I think will be great football players, like Tristan Wirfs. Um, but uh, no, we gotta we gotta get the data, and and then we'll we'll get there, and there will be plenty because. Um, as always seems to happen, you know, draft classes that aren't, you know, great. And I don't think this is a great draft, but it does have some really good positions. Um, but there are some, you know, players like that I saw this week that I, that I hadn't really um, noticed to this point that I think are really good players and have production. And I'm hoping they keep that going. And I keep adding guys to the board of guys that can help the Browns. We'll give you this pound the table, get two tackles. Early, we'll give you that one. Um, for me, a pound the table guy, uh, Marcus Bailey, linebacker, Purdue. If you guys are going to make me get a linebacker, that's one I like. For all you guys, Columbus, Ohio kid, watch him. It's like he makes every damn tackle. Uh, Peace Tire, we're going to let him get to bed. Uh, with that, we're going to put a bow on this. So with that, make sure you are checking everything out. At Browns, maybe on Twitter. SI.com. You're reading Brown stuff. It's coming from Pete and his team. These guys have been busting their butts. Uh, make sure you're following the dude at underscore Pete Smith underscore show itself at Locked On Browns. All our case, follow back account. DMs are always open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are open. Anything you want, questions, ideas for the show, guys, please feel free to funnel them. Um, we obviously have a lot more flexibility here with the offseason. There's things we can do. Anything you got, go ahead and send it to me. This has been your daily delivery of all things to all found. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.